Well, our topic today is, uh, what about evil and does God still heal today? And I guess if there's any silver lining from all the attacks going on in the world, at least it's created a good setting for thinking about what about evil in the world. It's crazy, isn't it? You know, what we're going to try to communicate today is that God desires us to experience freedom from demonic sickness and oppression. My hope is that by the time you leave, you will become convinced that God does still, still heal today. My hope is that faith is going to well up in your hearts to begin to believe that if you don't. And we're going to end by inviting everyone here that might be under some form of bondage to step in faith and seek for God to bring some relief. Uh, we've been going through this series called Foundations. What is it that's holding up our faith? Hopefully it's a bit more steady than the picture that you're looking at up there with that chair. We are a church that is striving to live like Jesus lived. And we've been hammering this over and over again. How did Jesus live? It starts with this connection with the Father, an unbroken connection where he says, I only say and do what I hear and see my Father doing. There's an intimacy there. And he says, I want you to have that same kind of experience. He says, my sheep hear my voice. They too will hear and listen to me. Later in John, he talks about this vine and branch, and he says, I'm the vine and you're the branch. And unless you are connected intimately with me, deriving your nutrients from me, like a branch, you will not bear fruit. But Jesus also lived with an unhindered flow of the Holy Spirit's presence and power in his life. When he started his ministry, he stood up in a synagogue and he read this text from Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind. He has sent me to set free those who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I love how Jesus is described in the book of Acts. It says that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. You know, all through the Gospels, when you read them, you, you see phrases like this, the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Power was coming from him and healing them all. One time he was bumped in the crowd and he stopped and said, who touched me? Because I know that power has come out from me. John summarizes Jesus' mission this way in 1 John 3, 8. The reason the Son of God came was to destroy the works of the devil. But that's not all. After he rose from the dead, he gave that same mission to us. The Gospel of Mark ends this way. These signs shall accompany those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover. Another time after his resurrection, he says this, Just as the Father sent me out, so I am sending you out. If you've been at our church much in the last year, you know that we've been talking an awful lot about prayer. We believe that some things only occur in life when we pray. And that means that if we don't pray and ask God, 
we will experience less of his presence and power in our lives than we otherwise would have if we had prayed. In March, we saw how Jesus encourages us to have this kind of shameless audacity when we come to him in prayer. He says, look, if you're evil and you know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I'm very excited about today's topic, but it has been a challenge to try to discern how do you pull together evil and sickness and healing? Does God still heal today? And if so, how do we experience more of it? And obviously, with all the events going on in Europe, I'm sure all of us have been wondering, what about evil? Where is God in it? What can we expect protection-wise from God? Well, this morning, we're going to look at at an event in Jesus' life. We're going to try to bring together this combination of the role of evil and the role of healing and how we can experience that. I'm going to introduce you briefly to hear from three of my friends who are experiencing God at work in their lives. And we're going to end by inviting God's Spirit to come and to bring freedom and healing to any who need it. Would you pray with me as we begin? Father, we ask that you would release faith in our church this morning. I pray that you would remove any blinders that have prevented anyone from hearing and accepting and believing your truth. As we've been singing, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But you also encourage us to pray, Jesus, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And we we pause now and we pray that you would deliver from evil the millions and millions around the world that are in fear of what the next ISIS attack might be. We pray for your mercy. We pray for an advancement of your love and healing wherever there is strife and anger in the world. And Lord, I ask that you would just give revelation to each one here of what it means to believe that you are a God who still heals today. In Jesus' name. Well, our text this morning is from Luke chapter 13. If you want to follow along in the Bible in your, in your seat, it's page 738. We're going to pick up in verse 10, and this is what we read. On a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues, and a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, You are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue leader said to the people, There are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. So first off, we see that Jesus is at it again on the Sabbath. We saw this back in July in John chapter 9, how he healed a blind man on the Sabbath, and it caused all kinds of trouble for the religious folk because they said, Look, You're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. This can't be of God. Second, we see that there's a woman who comes to church, comes to the synagogue, and she's had a disabling spirit for 18 years. Other translations say it like this, a spirit of infirmity. 
an infirmity caused by a spirit, a demon of sickness, that she was twisted and bent over with arthritis so much that she couldn't even look up. I think it's interesting to combine sickness with the demonic. I wonder if you've spent much time thinking about when you're sick, why am I sick? Is it just part of life and genetic decay? Am I somehow in trouble with God? Has it been maybe a natural consequence of neglect and other things in my life? Or is it possibly an attack, an affliction of the evil one? The third thing you notice is that the religious guy missed out on the blessing. No compassion for the woman. No ability to rejoice in something happening that he'd probably never seen before. You know, we've touched on this religious spirit concept in recent months. And I would argue that this man also was in need of healing because he was in bondage from being able to rejoice at what God was doing. God desires us to experience freedom from demonic sickness and oppression. Let's continue. Jesus answered him, You hypocrites, doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Then should not this woman a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her. When he said this, all his opponents were humiliated, but the people were delighted with all the wonderful things that he was doing. So here's a woman who's been experiencing this crippling disease for 18 years. And Jesus heals her, and it's about as common in his eyes as taking your dog for a Sunday afternoon walk. A simple story, but it raises some very important questions, which, depending on how you really answer them as you lead today, it's going to impact how you live out your Christian faith. Here's the first point. Jesus is teaching us that Satan is real, and that he can bind, afflict, and influence people. But remember what his mission was? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has sent me to set free those who are oppressed. Listen to some of what the Bible describes Satan's ability to influence is like. The Bible says that it was Satan that put it into the heart of Judas to betray Jesus. And it wouldn't surprise me if Satan is not putting into the heart of many causing terror attacks around the world to do what they're doing. It says that Satan filled the hearts of Christians to lie about how much they had received and something they donated to the church. Satan is described this way. He prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Satan can be given footholds in a Christian's life, hooks that can give him entree like beachheads. He blinds the minds of unbelievers, preventing them from seeing and understanding truth. Satan tempts us where we lack self-control. He accuses Christians. He can outwit us when we don't forgive. Satan said he's a murderer, he's a liar. And today in our story we read that Jesus said Satan has the ability to bind someone in an infirmity for nearly two decades. I wonder how many of us this morning could attest to Experiencing this sense of affliction from Satan. How about just the accusation 
How many of you have had a hard time really feeling forgiven for your past sins because you just keep hearing these voices? You're not worthy. That's, you're, you're, you're not really worth grace. God's not going to really forgive you. Or how about deception? How many of us, if we're honest, we really believe lies. We don't really see God as a loving father, but sometimes as a cold and aloof one. And it wouldn't surprise me if there weren't dozens who would testify that if I'm honest, I, I feel like I'm in the grip of a sin I can't get out of. Maybe some have even been exposed to outright evil or it's been done against them. Well, we believe as a church that Jesus still breaks the chains of Satan and his demons that afflict and harass and hold his people back. And one of the most common ways that people in our church are experiencing freedom from such things is through the ministry of restorative prayer. This is where we ask God to reveal where unforgiveness or maybe any involvement we've had in occultic type activities may have opened a door and given Satan a foothold in our life. We also believe that many of us are crippled by anxieties and fear. As Stacy shared back this past winter, often when we've been deeply wounded, we believe false things about God's ability to or his interest in protecting and providing for us. Satan can bind us in fear, and many have found, dozens and dozens have found, through restorative prayer that they have been having a release from some oppression in their lives. Because we believe that God desires us to experience freedom from demonic sickness and oppression. So Satan is real, and he can have influence. But Jesus makes a connection between Satan and sickness and healing. And this is a big one, and it has to do with what our mindsets are. You see, sickness and death was not part of God's initial plan. I'd like to share some scriptures to help frame this. The first one is basically saying this. There's no sickness in heaven. In Revelation, we read this, talking about heaven. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning or crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. That's our future. But did you know that when Moses was taking the Israelites out of Egypt, even before the Ten Commandments were given, that God said this in Exodus 15? If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes and give ear to his commands and keep his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer. It's as if he's saying, I intend to put a cocoon, an umbrella of protection around my people who walk in holiness. And then right before they enter the promised land, 40 years later, he says this, you shall be careful to obey the commandments and statutes and rules I'm giving you. And because you listen to them and keep them, I will keep my covenant and the steadfast love that I swore to your fathers. The Lord will take away from you all sickness and none of the evil diseases of Egypt, which you knew, will he inflict on you, but he will lay them on those who hate you. And God is saying, my intent, my A plan for the people of Israel was that they live under a cocoon of protection where there was not oppression and there was not sickness if that's true then why don't we experience more of that now 
Well, one piece of the puzzle is that sin can render us more susceptible to sickness and to the enemy. He continues right before they go into the promised land in Deuteronomy and says, but if you're not careful to obey my law, then the Lord will bring on you extraordinary afflictions, severe and lasting, sickness, grievous and lasting. He'll bring upon you again the diseases of Egypt of which you were afraid. They'll cling to you. And even more will come. So he says, look, you take yourself out of my desire, my protection, it could get ugly. Even in the New Testament, we read a hint of this in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. He's talking about what must have been going on in that church about the way they were taking the sacrament of communion. And we read this, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill, and some of you have died. So, where are we so far? First, sickness is not in heaven. Second, sickness was not supposed to be among his holy people. We know that sickness can be from Satan, and it can either be from God or maybe it can be allowed by God when we step outside of what he wants for us. And we know that Jesus healed sickness and he freed people from Satan's bondage. So that's our biblical framework. Now to get to the million dollar questions, which I think are this. Does Jesus heal today? And if so, how can we experience more of it? And if so, why does everyone still ultimately get sick and die? What is our response supposed to be when we're confronted with sickness. You know, there's a quote that Norflet says many times that I really love, and it, I think, goes like this. Don't lower your theology to match your experience. Rather, elevate your experience to match your theology. And I think that perhaps many of us need to think about the implications of that as it relates to our theology of God's heart to heal. Let's take a kind of simple example. Headaches. I'm sure everyone in this room has had a headache. When you get a headache, how do you know if it's Satan, if it's just part of life, or if it's something else? For anyone that has had bad headaches, often it's horrible. 10 to 15 years ago, I would probably get a migraine once a week. And it was just, you know, you pop the Tylenols, the extra strength Tylenols, and they don't work. You get prescriptions for migraine medicine, and it sometimes works. It's just a horrible way to live. Ultimately, I felt like I needed to detox from all of the inputs into my life, the pop, the processed stuff. And, and the theory that I was operating under was, well, if you were an engine that needed unleaded gasoline and you'd been putting leaded gasoline in it for 20 for 20 years, you might end up having some engine problems. I think we can all attest that um, sometimes the headaches are kind of your own fault. But sometimes they're not. And sometimes the stress that you get, you know, that you're, pardon me, you feel in the back of your neck, a lot of that stress is because you really aren't trusting God. 
So is it, is it kind of your own fault? Is it not? It's kind of hard to know. But I believe that God wants us to not live our whole life completely debilitated with headaches. And then that raises another set of questions because there are people like Martin Sanders, who is one of the most gifted, anointed healers that I know. Hundreds and hundreds of people have experienced physical and spiritual relief from bondage with his prayers. And yet his wife got sick with a disease and over the course of three years slowly digressed until she died a year ago. And it makes you wonder, well, if God does heal, why, why not all the time? What, what's up with that? I'm sure every one of you here knows a loved one who is struggling physically or otherwise, or you yourself are, and you've been praying and you're not seeing any answers. We know that God does not always heal. We know that most old people like me wear glasses to see some of us have cancer and leukemia and diabetes. And yet, sometimes God does heal. Fifteen years ago, this past Tuesday, my wife gave birth to a stillborn daughter. At our 20-week ultrasound, to find out the sex of the baby, we were informed that the skull did not fully form over the brain, that the baby could not live outside of the womb. It left us with a pretty significant dilemma. Does God still heal? Do I just need more faith? Interestingly, 10 years before that, the youth pastor at Grace, his wife was pregnant and got an ultrasound with a pear-shaped head, and the leaders of the church gathered around and prayed and anointed with oil, and miraculously, God did heal that baby. So we began a process of saying, God, would you heal? Melissa, who's got way more faith than I do, was just resolute. I believe God can heal. We would ask anyone that had faith to come and lay hands on her womb and pray. After a few series of the ultrasounds every couple weeks with no miraculous closure of the skull, I began to take a slightly different route. And I wonder if maybe some of you can relate to it. Well, I know God could heal, but it sure doesn't look likely that he's going to heal and it's a little discouraging to keep stepping out and praying for the miraculous and having people come to my house to pray for Melissa and did not see any results of it and I began to almost begin to just question you know maybe what I need to do is just prepare for the worst and I began to think well I'm, I'm more concerned about Melissa making it through this whole thing because I've lost faith that God will really heal and you know the expectation level that we bring to God in prayer affects the way we pray. And I wonder if it's possible that we as a church are not seeing as much healing from God because we've stopped believing or risking to ask. You know, last week Doug spoke from Romans 12, 1 and 2. And the second verse says, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you can prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. And I wonder how many of us really, if we're honest, need our minds renewed because we live our lives saying God could heal, but he, he won't. It doesn't really happen. Let's pop some more pills. That same pills are all bad. So what are we supposed to do when we're confronted with sickness and oppression in our lives? Like I said earlier with the headaches, sometimes I think it's our own fault that we're 
that we're sick if my kids eat the whole bag of Halloween candy, they're probably going to throw up that night. If you drink too much, you're probably going to wake up with a headache. If you've lived a steady life of pouring regular leaded gas into your unleaded engine body, you're probably going to start breaking down and have some complications. But I also want to underscore that I believe God does use medicine and doctors very much to bring healing today. You know, in the winter of 2007, on a Sunday morning, Melissa was leading worship, and she leaves early when that happens, and I heard the door close a little after 8, and I heard her bawling. I said, what's wrong? And she was like, I can't, I can't breathe. I don't know. She was just hyperventilating almost. We took her to the hospital, and after probably 10 hours, there was no relief. There was no understanding. My doctor, Tristan, came, and she was pregnant at the time, and he said, you need to try one more test. And they said, it's not healthy. It could be bad. And he said, I don't care. You're going to try it. And it revealed that she had a whole series of blood clots in her lungs and would likely have died that night without that technology, without the wisdom of my doctor stepping in. God uses doctors to heal. But sometimes I think we need to dig a little bit deeper and say, is it possible that we have taken ourselves out of the protective umbrella that God desires for us by sin? Is there something that we maybe need to repent of? And maybe what we need to repent of is that we've stopped believing in a God who can and who wants us to be free from oppression and sickness. And we need to respond in faith. I love this passage from James chapter 5. He says, Is anyone sick among you? Let him call for the leaders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed sins, he'll be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. And again, I think it brings us right back full circle on prayer. For some reason, God has set it up that people who choose not to pray, to not ask their friends to pray, experience less of God's healing presence in their lives than the people who do. Let's circle back to that woman in the story. Bound for 18 years. It wouldn't surprise me if some here know what that's like. Living crippled by childhood wounds well into our 40s and 50s. Holding on to vows or maybe lies that you latched onto in the midst of pain earlier in your life. And that picture of a woman bent over, unable to look up, I think that's how many of us really live, don't we? Some of you know the daily accusation of demonic oppression in your minds, telling you that you're worthless and dirty and evil and unlovable, unforgivable. What would it mean for you to try to believe that God still heals and frees you from oppression today? I've asked three of my friends to come up, and I'm just going to um, interview them really briefly. And I want you to hear the stories of what 
God has done in and through their lives to hopefully build a sense of faith that this isn't just something from the past. It's not just some theological thing we should believe, but it doesn't really happen in reality. The first person that's going to share with us is uh, my good friend John Carter. He's been at our church for a long time. I've known him for probably 25 years. When my wife and I were youth pastors, his children were part of our group. About 15 years ago, he felt led to quit his job early and to dedicate his life to serve the poor around the world and to travel to teach them. Um, and in the midst of his travels, God met him. So, John, why don't you start us off? Can you tell us about your back condition and how you were healed? After 27 years of chronic back pain and countless visits to doctors, God um, chose to heal me. It was a condition where I couldn't even lift my children, even as newborns. And it happened on a three-week training trip in Africa and it was during a uh, hot service in Zambia and I was exhausted the service was going on and on I just wanted to get on the plane and come home and uh, they were making a fuss over me as the honored guest and that's when uh, the pastor called me forward knowing nothing really about me and he, he prayed over me. And that's when God reached down with his hand and he touched me and he gave me that healing 15 years ago. And I've had an amazing improvement in my condition. That's great. Thanks. So one of his trips took him to Bangladesh about 12 years ago and there was a doctor that gave him the uh, kind of his escort around um, in all of the various projects and things he was doing. And then a couple years ago, he went back, and the same doctor friend was there, and things were different. Tell us a bit about what's changed with Brother Andrew. Yeah, Brother Andrew's a Bang- Bangladesh doctor and a <clears throat> medical doctor. And coming into that country at that time, to, uh, a few years ago, two years ago, it was chaotic. It was a complete political unrest, violence, and yet my brother Andrew was just beaming and glowing with what God had uh, been laying on his heart about reaching people through healing and had given him gifts of healing, which he called uh, Holy Spirit-guided faith healing. And so as we were traveling, each night he he would go out seek people and groups of people and was sharing about Jesus and telling them that, you know, as their eyes would sometimes glaze over, well, do you have any sick among you? Do you know that Jesus can pray for you, pray and heal you right now? And, and so they did. And then they'd go back and share it with others. And one, one time there was a hundred people that came back for, for prayer healing. So it's just an amazing story to see how he worked in this context. That's great. And then he came back to the States, and some longtime friends of his that live in Ohio suddenly themselves began to experience more of this. Can you just briefly tell us the story of them? Yeah, that was Ken and Sylvia, and they went out to California for a vacation and um, ended up at a three-day healing conference at Bethel. And during that conference, uh, Sylvia 
within the first few minutes of the first session, started getting really warm hands. And so she just quietly uh, got out of her seat and went down to talk to the, the folks on the main floor about the prayer team, about what was going on. And they say, most likely you are, have received the gift of healing. So she went, they went back to Ohio, and uh, Ken was kind of grumbling because, to God because he hadn't got that, that healing gift, and he had been sitting right next to Sylvia. God told him, your, your job in this case is to support your wife. And now they have a wonderful healing ministry and healing teaching ministry in Ohio to small groups. Excellent. Thank you. So John experienced the healing in his back in Africa. He's been exposed to some amazing things going on in Bangladesh. And there are people here in America that are experiencing a similar anointing for healing. This is Dan Bennett. Dan's been with our church for a long time as well. He's a, a dear brother in the Lord, and he's going to share a bit about uh, his back. Thank you, Bryce, and thank you, John, for your sharing. Um, yes, I, I'm a guy that's um, had uh, back problems for 25 years as well, um, disabling, where I wasn't able to, to walk, and um, it was a very, very painful experience. One time on a mission trip in India, I had back troubles, and I literally had to be carried back to our vehicle, and, and the guys put me on bed rest, and um, I came back from India in a wheelchair. It was so bad. Um, just this uh, year in February, I again experienced back pain that was quite dis disabling, um, and I went the traditional route. I went back to the chiropractor and to the orthopedic doctor for injections, and for, to a physical therapy, and I wasn't experiencing um, much relief from my problem through these traditional means. Uh, we were, at that point, just about ready to go visit our grandkids up in Minneapolis, and I was really distressed that I might not be able to do the things that a grandpa likes to do with his grandkids, to roll on the floor and hold them and just uh, uh, be grandpa with them. And, uh, uh, late in March, uh, Pastor Doug recommended, gently recommended, that I, I come forward for uh, healing prayer after service. And I, I had some real reservations about that. I, I figured, here I am, a, a mature, mature Christian man. Uh, me and God should be able to handle this by ourselves. Uh, that was just pure pride. And I... I felt embarrassed that I needed to go forward for prayer, and, and I think that was just even more pride. Well, I did. I came forward, and Bryce and Mel and Pastor Doug, my wife Peggy, and others laid, hand on, laid hands on me and, and prayed over me and asked Jesus and the Holy Spirit to take away the, the pain and to heal my back. And I prayed quite, quite a long time. Uh, as I stood up, I was asked, well, how's your back feel now? And I had to say, it doesn't feel any different. I didn't feel any healing. But that's not the end of the story. Um, after continued prayer by my wife and, and my small group and other friends, in a very short time, I was, one morning I woke up and 
I'll pick it. You know what? I don't have any pain anymore. Jesus had healed me. And <laughs> praise to him. Thank you. Thank you. That's great. About a year and a half ago, uh, when I shared, I, I mentioned that I had reconnected with a, a businessman in Chicago named Heath Flock, who had been experiencing an incredible outpouring of God's, of God's healing, of his, just his passion for the Lord. Um, he's since moved down to Dallas, but uh, he was able to join us today. This is my friend Heath Flack. Please welcome him. He, uh, he had an experience about three and a half years ago that dramatically changed his life. And, and kind of, it's been a crazy journey for you, but what's, how, is, like, how often do you see God using you in, in a way that people receive healing? Yeah, I... I um experience fairly regularly as as I've learned that when when I go he goes uh, with me and and with others that I walk with and we've um, I'd say in the last three and a half years we've you know I've seen and witnessed um, 300 at least 300 healings miracles or you know demons being cast out now Shortly after he came to faith, which was about 14 years ago, he had a son with a very severe ear infection um, that was healed. And then he himself was, was healed of some um, allergies. And then there was this period of kind of dormancy where you didn't see God move so much. Talk a bit about what you think was going on in that, in that time frame. Yeah, so that was 13 or 14 years ago uh, when I saw these dramatic healings. And they were right around the time of my conversion. And at the time, I wasn't being taught by man or experience. And so I was just reading the Word of God and letting the Holy Spirit teach me. And so um, I think there was just this level of faith that uh, Jesus heals. And, and, and so I would see uh, the miraculous things happen. And I think what happened over uh, then a period of uh, 10 years was um, I started to let experience. I'd pray for people. They wouldn't be healed. Um, and so I would just, as you said um, in your, your message, that my theology was reduced down to my experience level instead of letting my experience rise to the word of God and, and truth. And, um, but, but I've just come to believe that, um, you know, the life of Jesus, his life lived, as we see it in the scripture, is the will of God revealed. And so that's what we've been experiencing the last three to four years. Okay. And then I shared, um, when I talked about him last time, he does these things called treasure hunts where he senses that God leads him to people and he offers to pray for them. Um, and it's, it's an incredibly cool way to live. Will you just share a recent example of one of those stories? Yeah, sure. So I live in Dallas now. And just, um, it was the week before last. Um, I usually don't film these things, but I happen to catch a film, which you'll see after I share the story, but uh, a friend of mine uh, and myself, we've been going to um, uh, a really troubled part of Dallas. Um, it's where a lot of homeless live, drug dealers, that's where a lot of the, the drug trafficking is. Um, and we've been going there and just speaking life into people's lives and telling them about the love of, of Jesus. We've seen uh, miraculous healings there. We've prophesied um, over people. The, the drug dealers all know us and they love us. Like we're, we really feel like we're friends with them. We of course pray that they come to know Christ and uh, 
but it's, it's just glorious, and God's really shown us um, miraculous things. And so the week before last, I was there, and we met a man named Floyd. And uh, Floyd, uh, we just went up and said, hey, does anybody need healing in their, in their body? There were four men uh, sitting around. And uh, Floyd said, you know, three years ago, he, t- he began to tell the story. I, I uh, was diagnosed with diabetes. I don't have uh, the type of income to be on insulin or anything. And, um, but my feet, I really had sharp pains on both of my feet. And three years ago, I was at a coffee shop. And he went on to describe this coffee shop that my church is actually associated with. And he described a man who spoke to him, who I knew who he was, but we didn't tell him that we were part of that church at the time. But this man uh, at the time, three years ago, had come up and, and had a word of knowledge about his feet. And he knew that he had pain in his feet. And Floyd said, this man prayed for me. And I, my entire life has, has turned around. I've reconnected with Jesus. I was miraculously healed um, at the time. And, and really, I experienced a pain-free life. No effects of diabetes since then. But just recently, he said, I've had pain in my right foot. And I prayed this morning that God would send someone (laughs) to me. And see. so he said, so here you are. So we ended up praying for Floyd. Um, He got healed again, and he was praising God. And we're going to share a video here that shows Floyd. Thanks. My foot. Long way, bro. I would be in pain. But from prayer, and I know it works not my first time, man, you know, with that, so, in your prayer, because I know God is in control, but I know prayer works, I can do this, wow. whereas, before y'all came, I wouldn't be doing this, I would not be standing on my heel, especially on a corner like this, this, is, this was the pain right there, it was, right in here, so that's why I'm putting the pressure, my balance is so good, but it doesn't hurt me to do that. It does not hurt. Jesus is Lord. All awesome. the time. God is good. God is good. Thank you. There's no doubt in my mind that Jesus still heals today. If you are in this room right now and you've experienced some sort of a supernatural healing, you know, not just totally explained by the doctor's orders and prescriptions. If you've had a physical or, could you just stand? Are there other people here that have been healed? That's great. Have a seat. God desires us to experience freedom from demonic sickness and oppression. But sometimes I think that our problem is between our ears because we are stuck in unbelief. I want to encourage you, will you begin to risk disappointment by beginning to pray and ask God to show up in your situation? God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and with power and he went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. And that's what he wants us to be doing as well. 
Can you imagine if we became a church filled with people that believe God wants to bring his love and his presence to our community and hundreds of us were out walking around our communities just saying, is there anyone here that needs, needs a touch from God? How exciting it would be. As we close this morning, I'd like to invite everyone to stand, if you would, where you are. We are going to have uh, my friends here, as well as the whole prayer team that will gather across the front. If any of you are stirred and you sense, hey, I'd like to step out, as Dan did, who had been in pain for some time, and say, I wonder if God might use the prayer, the touch of one of his people to pray. We're going to end and allow you to come um, for prayer. But I wonder, maybe some of you right where you are would feel comfortable trying this. If you sense that there's just something that's been crippling you, some oppression, or if there's some pain, would you feel comfortable just to sit back down where you are? And I want to ask people that are standing still, if someone has sat down near you, would you just maybe extend your hand towards them? And if they're right kind of close to you, maybe just gently touch their shoulder. We're going to pray for God to extend his healing. We're going to pray for God to rem remove the oppression. And I just want to encourage us that God is a good God. And when we don't pray, we experience less than we otherwise would have if we had prayed. I don't know why everyone doesn't get healed, and certainly in my experience, everyone doesn't. But we're wanting to begin to elevate our experience to match what we read theologically in Scripture. Let's pray. Lord, we've been praying all morning, your kingdom come. On earth as in heaven, you are our healer. Jesus, we believe that you came to destroy the works of the devil, to set free those who are oppressed, and you've asked us to do the same. So right now, Lord, I pray that your healing would fall. Lord, that maybe some of us need to just repent and say, I haven't had faith. I've, I haven't been willing to be disappointed. I've just quit believing that God can bring the skull together in the brain. And Lord, we pray as we leave today that you would give us eyes to be aware this week that each one of us would have at least one encounter where we can reach out in faith and say, can I pray for you? Can I ask the Lord to show up on your behalf? Thank you for the adventure it is to follow you. In a world that's got evil all over the place, we want to be beacons of light and hope and healing. In Jesus' name, amen.